Stephen, and uh, nice to see you all. I'm going to start. Um, so the I think the series of, of messages that um, we've been sharing have been um, on the theme of a creative minority, and uh, the message for this evening that theme is ethics. So I'm going to start by reading the, um, the scripture. It's uh, Daniel chapter one, verses six through twenty-one. And this is from the um, NIV. So among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Michelle, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to de defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and God could understand visions and dreams, uh, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So um, I just want to share a few thoughts about that passage and about the theme, which is um, um, ethics. Um, Essentially, how do we live in this time and place that God has placed us as an ethically distinct um, group of individuals, um, while also just, uh, you know, giving others that chance to seek God through us? Um, so I just want to introduce my, myself a little bit. I know there are a lot of people here who I've never met before. Welcome. Um, welcome back. Uh, to the area and welcome to I know there are other people that maybe are here for the first time. So my name is Eden. Um, I actually grew up in, in New Hampshire. Um, and <laughs> big shout out there. Um, I never left New Hampshire. I think um, when I was growing up, but as soon as I could leave, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, moved to Europe and I lived in Europe for about ten years. Um, and also lived out west and kind of traveled overseas for a long time. So. Um, I am a social worker, and um, I think, you know, I, I'm a trauma therapist. Um, I, 10 out of 10, I, I choose to be listening and not speaking. 
But um, one thing that I, uh, that I really appreciate about this group is that we try to get everyone to really share um, their experience, share their gifts. We try to get everyone involved, and, and that's been really meaningful to me um, since I've been a part of the group. So um, I've lived in Waltham for about seven years, um, and, uh, you know, just, um, you know, I think we all probably have our, you know, stories with how we've, he connected to Christian communities, but um, I can say that this community has just been super meaningful and positive um, for me overall. So um, I'm grateful for the invitation, you know, uh, to share just a few reflections. And I'd like to experiment a little bit, and I, I built in, you know, a few moments of kind of um, reflection um, throughout the message. So I. I have some reflection questions that I'm going to post to you and just give probably like a minute of silence for you to kind of um, just uh, reflect and hopefully give us a chance to kind of use this time even to breathe and really like listen for God's voice. I know it can be hard. Um, there are so many things, um, so much information that's coming at us at all times. And I think this is one of the only times maybe where we can sit together and kind of individually and collectively really try to um, listen for, for God's voice. So um, something that struck me when I started to read this passage is the idea of how I might describe the current cultural moment that we're in. If someone kind of dropped in from space or from the future or, you know, far in the past, um, how, how would we describe what's happening right now in our cultural moment? Um, it seems that everywhere I go, I think people are talking about kind of the, this fracturing that's taking place, maybe a change in atmosphere, um, an increase in division, fear, uncertainty, some boundaries, maybe things that we thought we really knew and understood and now we're kind of questioning, um, confusion, some challenges that are really unprecedented, at least in my lifetime, maybe not in others, but um, pandemic. Um, unprecedented kind of challenge um, that many of us have never lived through. So I like the topic of this message because it seems relevant for us to think about how we maintain our bearings as Christ followers in such a rocky cultural moment. It can be helpful to kind of have these times together and get back to the hope that anchors our souls in these kind of rocky, turbulent, confusing times. So there's a few um, observations I just wanted to share in light of the passage that relate to kind of living ethically and creatively um, in these current times. So the first is just that um, Daniel and his, his comrades, they were, uh, they find themselves in exile. So the context for the story can really be interpreted. I think the whole backdrop is like abandonment, defeat, vulnerability, um, discomfort, maybe separation, uh, being expelled, exp you know, um, being um, kind of banished or evicted. I know a lot of people have probably had, had these experiences. Um, none of this context has positive connotations. Um, this is a group of men that are, they're not in a protected space, they're not in a comfortable space. But in spite of this, they seem to know and understand that God has a purpose, um, and they seem to acknowledge that God can use even, even the exile, even that state um, that they're in to move the purpose forward. 
So he, he, does, he seems to understand that he's in that specific time and place um, for, for a purpose. So it probably goes without saying that um, exile may not have been what Daniel envisioned as the best way to bring about his calling. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe lots of us have had this experience at times where I feel like we, we know the best way to kind of bring about um, what God has called us to do. Um, and I think, um, so even though they weren't, they, they may have been really uncomfortable in this environment, um, we can tie this back to, you know, so many ways that our culture and our lives might be rapidly changing. Um, I think we have lots of opportunities for discomfort right now, uh, whether it's like, you know, personally or in the broader society, whether it's regarding kind of this constant threat to our health, um, and fear related to the pandemic, to healthcare, whether it's navigating complex social and political changes that are happening, um, or even just dealing with daily stressors like gas prices and can we afford rent? Can we keep living here? Um, I'm sure it's not hard if we think back over the past couple of years to find examples of kind of deep discomfort, even anguish. I know a lot of us have probably lost you know, humans that were important to us for the past couple of years, um, I think, and, and had so many other experiences that, that were deeply uncomfortable for us. So are there ways in which we feel a sense of exile um, in our own lives? Are we exiled from certain relationships, from families, from even church families, Christian groups, former churches? Um, are we exiled from kind of the hopes and dreams that maybe we had three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Um, how do we experience being cut off, even from our own kind of bodies and identities? So right now I, I work mainly with combat veterans, um, and I, I speak to people every day that feel like um, aspects of their experience have really cut them off or exiled them from the life that they used to know, from this, the person they used to be. They feel completely cut off from that. Um, I hear many times the sense that even like their own bodies have betrayed them because of what they've gone through, that they will never be able to get back home to, that, to themselves, um, to what they were like before a tragedy kind of struck them. So that sense of longing is always there. So, um, I want to take a minute, I'm actually going to time us, and I want, to, I want us to just do kind of one minute of reflection. Um, and this is the question. Is there any way uh, you are experiencing exile in your life right now? And is there any way you think God wants to use that exile for his purpose?
Okay, so um, my second observation I wanted to share is that Daniel seems to have this kind of innate understanding of his own boundaries and limits. And he puts boundaries around what he's willing to um, put into his body, what it consumes, how he's living on a day-to-day basis as a way of reflecting his trust in God. So um, Daniel is making sure that he's reflecting his trust in God through his day-to-day routines and habits. Um, Daniel believes in God's provision for him and that it's God that's going to sustain him. So he says, you know, I don't even need your your fancy food, your wine. Um, Just give me the Give me the most basic, um, simple food, and it's God that's going to sustain me. So if we take this example, um, you know, he, he chooses less than what he's allowed. He chooses a more simple way. He trusts God for his health and sustenance. He has a steadfast faith that God provides what we need. So I've been reading this book um, called Rest is Resistance by Tricia Hersey. Um, highly recommend And in it, she talks a lot about um, grind culture or uh, the ways that capitalism, individualism, white supremacy um, trick us into believing that we constantly need to be working and constantly need to be providing for ourselves um, and that we can never stop doing this, that we can't take ourselves out. So this is the, the, the trick in our culture, is that we have to you know, keep doing, keep working, keep grinding, keep providing for ourselves, um, and if we stop, something really bad will happen. So um, in this passage, we see the demonstration that God knows what we need and can rely on him. And not only that, but Daniel seems to really thrive um, when he's relying on God's provision. So this principle in particular, I find personally very convicting. I'm sure many of us can relate. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where both my parents were working in manufacturing, and my dad um, continued to work full time well into his 70s. Um, a recent few years ago, he was in his 70s. Um, he was in the hospital getting um, cancer treatment, and he was still he he uh, was working remotely part time from the hospital, uh, which was 40 hours a week. Um, instead of like twice that while he was doing his cancer treatment. So I know we all absorb those messages from culture, from people around us, from families. Um, To this day, it's like monumental force, you know, to take six days or take take time. So um, I think just thinking about, you know, who's providing for us? How are we letting God provide? Or are we always, um, you know, trying to provide for ourselves? So... um, We're going to do another reflection here for one minute. So my question is, um, is there an area of your life where you're striving to provide for yourself? And could it be that God wants to actually give you something else?
So um, another observation is that Daniel is out there boldly using his gifts, um, leadership, wisdom, service, diplomacy, he can interpret dreams. Um, it seems to me that in this time of cultural uncertainty and chaos, it's increasingly important for us to really be in tune with our gifts and how we're using them. Um, generally speaking, what are we offering to the world? How are we bringing care, ease, light, healing into the spaces that we're going into? In a very basic sense, are we nice people? Are we people that others want to be around? Are we showing courage and boldness when the cultural norm might be to keep our heads down and not draw attention to ourselves? Are we resisting the urge to judge and criticize others? Um, I remember when I first started going to church in my early 20s, it seemed to me that there were only a handful of ways to serve in the church, and I realized immediately that I wasn't good at any of them. <laughs> so um, it was a really perplexing thing that went on for a long time, because I was like, surely this isn't it. And I think, you know, a lot of us have done those, you know, um, surveys and tests, which I, I think could be really useful. So <laughs> I think they can be useful. But um, it took me a long time to begin to understand that um, gifting in a Christian sense is much more complex. And I think the anchor of that is just the, the way that God made us individually and, and living fully into um, the way that, that he made us. Um, Luckily, I had a couple experiences this week that got to patiently, graciously remind me that I need to be vigilant about my gifts and how I'm presenting myself to the world. That I can't uh, get lazy. I can't exist in the, you know things that maybe I did years ago, or you know define myself in a certain way, or maybe I used you know ways that I've used my gifts in the past. But I have to be vigilant, especially in this cultural context, um, about how I'm using those gifts. Um, and however I understand my spiritual giftings, um, I need to exist in a way that's kind and compassionate and giving people the benefit of the doubt. So I, I just, I, I could probably give a lot of examples of this and having to read, constantly um, be vigilant about this, but I'm gonna give one example because it was, it was, um, it was like a, um, a tense moment for me. So. I'm one of those people, I don't know if this is just a New England thing or uh, not, but I'm one of those people that's constantly internally monitoring everyone's parking job. <laughs> and um, I, I, I apply the same standard to myself. I, if I do a bad parking job, it's, I'm disgusted with myself. Like, I, you know, even if it's someone else's fault, you know. But anyway, um, so constant, constant, like I have to, I'm, I'm always uh, monitoring everyone's parking. And I, I came home from work late, um, was just wanting to like get into my apartment, assigned parking where I live, and uh, someone was in my parking spot. And not only that, but they were pulled in sideways, so they were taking up two parking spots. My, so like a third of the parking, right? Which is like not in any way okay. Um, so I was like deer in the headlights, like I don't even know what to do right now. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like slowly backing out, 
I'm like composing this nasty thing that I'm gonna write, stick it on their windshield. I'm like taking picture. I'm like I'm gonna take a picture of their license plate. Who am I gonna send it to? No one cares. But, Send it to my landlord. Anyway, big deal, big deal. And I had to really rein myself in and be like, okay, someone's in my parking spot. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, just let's just leave it at that. Um, anyway, so what happened was, th thankfully, God, like, somehow just had mercy on me, and I, I didn't do anything. Um, and the next day, I found out that that car was there because my neighbor passed away. Oh. And it was my neighbor's brother, and he was um, going into the apartment and cleaning out some of her stuff. And I honestly, it's, it's like a funny story, but it's like, thank you, God, that I had some presence of mind to not be a terrible person, like, in that moment. Um, and so it was just a reminder to me that, like, you know, we can't get lazy about things like this. Like, we have to stay vigilant, like, how am I existing in the world? How am I using my, am I ready to use my gifts? Um, so, okay, so this reflection, um, we're coming to the end now um, pretty soon, but this reflection has, I, I actually thought of a lot of questions about this, so I'm, I'm gonna slowly kind of read out, I'm gonna read out all the questions, I'm gonna slowly read them out like during the minute of, um, of silence to just give you a chance to kind of absorb them. So the questions are, uh, what are your gifts? When was the last time you reevaluated this? How are you using your gifts in big or small ways? Are you open to redirection? Are you open to God adjusting and fine-tuning your gifts to be more relevant in the current cultural context? Is there an opportunity God is creating for you right now? Will you be ready? What are your gifts? When was the last time you reevaluated what your giftings are? How are you using your gifts in big or small ways? Are you open to redirection? And are you open to God adjusting or fine-tuning your gifts to be more relevant in the current cultural context? Is there an opportunity God is creating for you right now? Will you be ready for it? The note I'd like to end on is the illustration of Daniel's humility in the passage. Um, Daniel lives an ethically distinct lifestyle without trying, trying to monitor or restrict others. Without trying to interpret others' motivations or impose his boundaries on anyone. I think the most basic way that we can express spiritual humility is to honor the humanity of all people and let other people live 
to create space, to appreciate the goodness and the God creation in actual humans. Daniel doesn't spend energy on criticizing others or trying to control others, but he leads by quiet example. And another aspect of humility is just that he understands that it's God who causes the official in verse 9 to have favor and compassion. So we know from the passage um, that the exile ends. We don't necessarily get an explanation for why the why it's happening or how long, um, but we know that it ends. In order to live um, eth ethically distinct and yet fully connected to this world, um, we really need to connect ourselves to that favor and compassion that God provides um, so we can fulfill his purpose. So just as a, as a final reflection, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll pray for us and just wrap it up. Um, is there any situation that you need God's favor and compassion on right now, specifically? And how can we actively manifest and embody God's favor and compassion for others? Dear Lord Jesus, we just um, we thank you for this time and space. We thank you that even being here together is evidence of your, of your great favor and your compassion. We thank you for all the ways, Lord, that you um, bring us back from the ways that we feel exiled, from the ways that we feel abandoned, from the ways that we feel cut off from others, from ourselves from our hopes and dreams, even our callings, and from our, our own bodies. Father, we just pray that you would bring us back to a sense of um, the giftings that you've given us, even day to day, um, and help us use that in big and small ways. We know, Lord, that you're always our, our home, our landing place, Father, we pray that you would help us to be very vigilant in, um, in living for you and, and be just in touch with your kindness and your grace and your mercy and all the things that you want to do through us. And, um, we just thank you for your provision and we pray that we would just stop trying to provide for ourselves, Father, but that we would just... Um, just depend on you and that you would help us to um, fulfill the purpose that you have for us. We pray that you bring us closer together as a community and um, that you would bless us with safety and just always um, feeling rooted in you and in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.